Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Hi. You know that movie you always wanted to see, but you didn't for whatever reason? Well, I call those black hole films. Everyone has them, and this podcast aims to do something about that. I'm Jeremy Lalonde, and every episode I'll be joined by one or more guests to watch a film that at least someone in that group hasn't seen. We'll talk about our expectations of it before it, and then our thoughts after it. This is episode 53, and I'm joined by returning guest Ken Cooperus, who is a writer on Frankie Drake Mysteries, The Stanley Dynamic, The Listener, as well as playwright Rosa Laborde, who is also a writer on Sensitive Skin and an actor on the show Saving Hope. And we sat down to watch a film together. Alright, so we're sitting down to watch Midnight Cowboy. I'm Jeremy. I've only seen, like, fractions of this movie. We'll go around the room, introduce. I'm Rosa Laborde, and I have never seen any of this movie, which makes me excited. Not even, like, a little clip? Like, I bet we'll be watching it, and at some point in the movie I'll be like, oh, I know that, but no. <laughs> I'm, and this is Ken. Um, I don't. I have never seen this movie, but I've seen all the parodies of this movie, and there's a lot. Yeah. Um, and I know well, I'm walking here. That's, I'm that's walking the, here. That's the only thing. That's I the really only. Know. That's the only line I really know. I know a little bit about what's about. I know enough. I've seen enough little things over the years that I, that the reason I haven't visited this movie is because I feel like I know too much about it. Oh, even that's though, fair. Even though I think while I watch it, I'll realize that I know nothing about it. That's what I'm hoping too. I think it was one of those movies that my writing professor at film school brought up a lot as a reference, and I missed that class where we watched it. Because <laughs> we used to have like two different classes a week. One was watching a movie, mm-hmm. which most people skipped because it was eight o'clock in the morning and we were college mm-hmm. students. Um, and another one was just a regular lesson, but often pertained to the movie we watched. So sometimes we had seen the movie and sometimes we hadn't. So I remember. I'm sure as I watch it, I'll start remembering plot points. That, but I also tried to ignore that lesson because I didn't want to. I knew it was a movie I probably should see at some yeah. point. You don't want to know too much. I wonder if we'll be reversed. Like both of you will realize that you know nothing and I'll realize that I know the whole thing. <laughs> You've seen film. it many times. This is just Pygmalion. <laughs> <laughs> um, it won Best Picture, right? Yes. So this is one of the few Best Picture movies of the modern era that I think I haven't seen. Mm-hmm. Me too, because I, I was going through all the lists and it was amazing how many of. Yeah, because I just so. sent you the AFI list. Mm-hmm, it's like mm-hmm. see if we can pull something off here. You've probably seen more on that list than I have. Then I've seen a lot. I've seen a lot of the old ones too. Because I've got about a great. dozen or so off the AFI top one hundred that I, I, I. They haven't updated that in a while though. No, I feel like there's a couple on there that should be bumped off for some other movies that have come out since they last did that. Yeah, list. probably. AFI people. That, well, that's that's how this whole thing got started. It was Kevin Crixton and I were uh, several drinks in at a friend's party and just talking and just being really honest about all the movies we have lied about seeing over the years. <laughs> and then we pulled out the AFI. We're like, oh, I haven't seen that. And so we were like, we should do that something about that. And that's how this was kind of born. Um, yeah. What year is this? This movie? Oh, is it sixties? Late sixties? Maybe. I think it's sixty nine. Am I wrong? That sounds to the internet. That sounds pretty close. That sounds like a thing that could be true. I, I feel like it's 69, but... But you could be wrong? I could be 100% wrong. It feels like I that's said, the era. It if, if, if feels like it was right before the 70s. So I think Which that's what the 69 would be. I think you nailed it. 
1969. You couldn't have got okay. closer. You guys are both right. It's just before the 70s, and it's 1969. You guys nailed that. Good job. Well, I, I didn't do much of the heavy lifting on that. <laughs> uh, and directed by John Schlesinger, who I'm not super familiar with. Um, yeah, what else did he do? He's uh, Marathon Man. Oh, yeah, right. great movie. Yeah, well, that's it. You know, he did some stuff. Yeah. And Dustin Hoffman is in it. Yeah, young, a, a young Dustin Hoffman, right? This was only what? Dustin like, Hoffman maybe, channeling Pacino? <laughs> what was this, three, four years after The Graduate, his first movie? Which is bonkers. Cause I, only because I know how much of a different character. Yeah. That is, and how young. I don't. I don't he comes know. Off. You haven't seen The Graduate? You haven't seen The Graduate? I've seen The Graduate, oh. of course. But I, I haven't seen this, so I don't know how different his character is. And he's so great. And I was thinking about that as I was coming here to, to watch it. Just, like, what's happening now, which feels also very, very important. But, like, how do we watch movies in the same way? How do you separate yeah. the the artist from the... The art. The person. The art from the artist. Exactly. I think yes. you have to, or there's no more movies to watch. There's... I know. There's <laughs> I did. Nothing. Like, if you break it down, we're in big it's trouble. true. Yeah. Yeah. No, I didn't say, well, even like, I know I've, when, you know, whenever I buy, get a batch of movies used often, I post them, it's like, hey, here's some new movies, guys, on the on the Facebook page for the group. Uh, there's a lot of people like, well, you can't watch that movie anymore. You can't watch that. It's like, really? No. Yeah. No, I don't, I don't, I don't buy into that. Yeah. It depends on the, yeah, I think Usual Suspects was one. And I'm like, Kevin Spacey, I guess, is a big part of that movie, but it's also not. But then I guess you also got Brian Singer. Yeah, that movie's good. No, that's a double dip. <laughs> ah, <laughs> God damn it. Yeah, maybe that one I can't. Um, yeah. But I just bought a cheap DVD <clears throat> of it. No, but it is it is one of those things where you have to... And I think it has to be a case-by-case basis, and it has mm-hmm. to be on how you feel about the individual and about the thing. And I just think there's no blanket answer for that. Yeah. <clears throat> On that note, <laughs> let's watch a movie we've decided we can watch. <laughs> let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. That, however, was not how I felt about Midnight Cowboy. <laughs> yeah, all right, so we just finished. Yeah. And you had your hands up over your face at the ending. I know. <laughs> well, first, I will say that before, you know, when we were talking before and you both said that you knew a lot about it and I... I thought I knew nothing. And then as we started, I, I thought I've seen this because <laughs> I'd absolutely seen the huge part in New York when he's first going around and he meets the woman with the dog. Yeah. I guess Cass. And mm-hmm. up to that, I had seen all of that and I went, how do I not remember any of this? But I had literally seen up to the end of that scene. Oh, interesting. I had seen nothing past oh, that. Oh, perfect. So it was perfect because from seeing that, I, I really had no sense of where it was mm-hmm. going. Like I didn't see any of, um, of uh, Rizzo or yeah Justin all I knew was in. that he was a gigolo that's yeah. all I knew about the movie yeah <laughs> and for some reason I thought that but he wasn't really no was <laughs> that was the weird part my, my favorite not my favorite line because there's so many great lines but was when he just casually mentions at the very end he's like mm-hmm. it's not a very easy way to make money is it <laughs> 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 yeah, it's like really. It took you what a year? Yeah, he was there oh roughly. My God. He's like, I'm just gonna get a regular job because I'm not very good <laughs> I'm at this. Not good at this. I thought <laughs> he. It was so tonally. The film just went from like bizarre, absolutely yeah, but heartwarming, and then totally goofy and really funny, and, and but then, then like heartbreaking. But then into tragedy. like a weird art film. Total yeah, art absolutely. film. Like yeah, it was like uh, they had um, uh, what's his name. Um, 
Andy Warhol direct scenes in the middle of the movie. Yeah, or the whole party. Yeah. It was so Andy strange. <laughs> yeah, just surreal moments where it's like, what? Well, even, and that's what I kind of love about this this film. This entire thing is almost like a mystery box. Where I love that they don't they don't give you a whole lot of answers, and so it's great for something like this where we get to talk about it after because yeah. there's so much to unpack that they don't mm-hmm. really mention. Like there's all those flashes. That yeah, you his get. past, right? You got to try to. He was that in together. prison because his girlfriend was raped. But he was raped too, I think. Yeah. He was yeah. too. They were both taken out of the car. They were both raped, but because she was so traumatized and had PTSD, she... Uh, blamed him. Blamed him. Yeah. But because I think she... Cause but she's I couldn't like, tell if that was what really happened or if that was in that well, moment you don't of know. his... Because there was that mantra he kept on... Seeing and when he was picturing it, it was romantically. It was about her saying, "You're the only one. You're, you're the, the only, only one. one." And so when she was pointing him out, it was like she was telling the police, "He's the only one I care about." But instead, she's fingering him. Because all she could see is he's the only one. Yeah, he's the only one. Yeah, it could be. I mean, I think. But it's why one did of they? But, but, would, but you never explain what they did to bring that on. No, like, it didn't really explain. This is a random. If the people, like, I guess, you saw him hanging out with all those guys. And was it the idea that she picked him that made them? I don't know. I didn't... It was really kind of tricky to follow that. I'll have to read the book. I think it was... That, <laughs> that was where we, we felt... I felt the book come through. Yeah. And I felt like they're going, okay, this is exposition. Mm-hmm. We don't really know how to get yeah. this in. But it gives us a little view into his character. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and I liked it. But at the same time, I felt like we got enough through the, his grandmother. And I wondered... I actually did like... Or found the flashbacks really interesting, but that creepy one, his grandmother though, where she, he's just stroking her. She's he's hypersexualized. The very yeah. first one. His value. It was interesting, especially right now, and how much we're talking about women and women, women being hypersexualized, and that you can forget how many young men go through sure. similar experiences yeah. and end up um, completely confused about their sexuality or their worth mm-hmm. and what they need to do with it. Yeah. Well, and especially because this is now what this movie is almost 50 years old. Yeah. You 1969. Know? 69. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah Crazy to think 50 that. 50 years. 60. No. 50. 1969. It's seven. Yeah, 50 years. Crazy. Oh, my God. Um, you know, and, and you think about, you know, because clearly he's probably at least bisexual, if not, you know, don't you feel? I, I don't know what I, I, I feel like maybe, I feel like he's just not sure of it. Fluid, not sure. Fluid for sure. And if he's been in prison, then he's used to. And and raids. Yeah. All of that, like, you know, I'm sure is. But I didn't feel that it was something that he wanted. I feel like it was something that he was tolerating because. But but whenever he. He was picturing like his girlfriend in those scenes. So that he could. Yeah, but whatever yeah. he got called, yeah, because whenever he got called on it, he got very aggressive. Yeah. You know, there's the, the young student um, that doesn't have the money in the bathroom, but then there's the older guy who he maybe kills. He we doesn't kill him. We don't know I that. don't think so. I don't think he did. Ratso or Rizzo uh, asks him, and he kind of skirts around it. So you're kind of yeah. left. It's another one of those things you're left with a big question mark. Yeah. What did he do to that old guy? I don't think he did. I think I he would. I, I don't think he I want to believe he didn't. <laughs> Like, he was really just kind of like a child in so many ways. But that's why I believe it could happen. Like, in a moment where he's just not himself. Yeah. Um, 
I think he just stuck the phone in his mouth. Let's go with that. But, like, maybe not, but he was so kind throughout the, like, oddly Mm -hmm. guileless and kind. Um, But it's just, it's so, like you said, like, tonally, it's like the movie shouldn't work. It's so all over the place and over the map. But I kind of love that. And That's I kind great of wish it. for more of that. Like, I go, God, we can't, we don't make movies like that no, anymore. You know, all. they have to be so, what's the genre? What exactly yeah. is it? What? And I feel like that, to me, is reflective of life in a deeper... It's tragic and comic and weird. Um, I miss the counterculture, you know, of the... 70s and I miss late it 60s. so much too. It's, it's true. Everything's mainstream now. You yeah. don't have it. Everything's mainstream. The, the independent film doesn't even exist as any kind of independent mm-hmm. film anymore. And I really love that. You feel like it's about profoundly about um, kind of disenfranchisement, loss. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it looks at society in a way that feels deeper. I can't help but think that and then wonder, God, in 50 years, are people going to look back at our movies and go, no, they really... <laughs> they really they tapped into something. So, yeah. All those Fast and the Furious movies really got to the core <laughs> of the human condition. <laughs> um, and, it, yeah, it's just... You've got him, and then, like... Dustin Hoffman is just, like... You look at this, especially you mentioned how, you know, four years before this, there's The Graduate. Yeah. You look at those two performances He's in that so span good. of time, it's yeah. like, Jesus Christ. And then you look at Rain Man... You know, 20 years mm-hmm. later, or whatever it is. Not even 20, like 15 years later. Yeah. Because that's 81, right? Mm-hmm. Or something mm-hmm. like that. Rain Man, was it that early? Or was it 89? No, no, it was Maybe it is 89. 89 makes more sense. Yeah, so 20 years later. But still, it's just like, Jesus, what a fucking actor. He's a damn good actor. Because he's not... Because it's so easy for that just to be a caricature. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, oh, that moment where he says, I can't... I fall down all the time now and I can't move my leg. It's just... Or, and he knows that he's probably dying of... Whatever it is, AIDS or syphilis, or syphilis something. or yeah. something. You don't know. Like they don't, they don't give you a lot of history, but it's just something. I don't know why he went to AIDS. I mean, AIDS it seems like he had yet. a fever for about half the movie. Well, so. it's those late yeah. 60s. It can't be AIDS. It's too. It's not AIDS. Yeah. It's too early. Yeah, I'm sure if he, I'm sure it was like uh, it was maybe syphilis or something like that. But yeah, um, or just like malnutrition. Know. Who knows? Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's living in uh, lung cancer for God's sake, too. Yeah, absolutely. Well, he was coughing the whole time. Yeah. He's living in a condemned building. Who knows what he's probably full of asbestos. Yeah. This is one of those things that I think, can we Google that, though? Can we just go, <laughs> what was he dying of in the Yeah, film? I'm sure. I'm, I'm like, sure you can find unless out. Unless it's in the book. I'm, it might be. Yeah. I might have to look that up. I'm curious. <laughs> yeah. I'm just, but oh. man, what a friendship that became. It's like, that beautiful. was unbelievable. If they were like... Unbelievable how, um, you know, John Voight just took care of him and never, never kind of, he could have left him so many times, you know, he held him back for a while and he just never kind of, never wanted to like, I mean, he, he took him to Florida at the end because that was his, that was what he needed. Yeah. Well, he was, he was taking care of people the entire movie. Yeah. Yeah. The the first trick he tries to pull, he ends up giving her 20 bucks. Yeah. You know? (laughs) And she doesn't, you know, clearly has money. And he doesn't take the kids' watch. The, like, he, won't, he, he won't take the kids' watch? No. You know, he's constantly put to the test that way. That My favorite, <clears throat> maybe my favorite line in the movie was when we first meet Dustin Hoffman, and he's telling, he's and, and John Boyd's telling him about it. He's like, Jesus, you gotta tell people. <laughs> yeah, how would I know that? You can't just... <laughs> you gotta yeah. tell people that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. 
Yeah, it was really heartbreaking. Yeah, it, was it really was. Beautiful and heartbreaking. And I I actually have a, a deeper appreciation for John Voight. I found his performance. Yeah, you know, I, don't, I can't think of too many John Voight movies that I'm, you know, that I'm too crazy about. No, no he's kind of one of those in between. Like, like, and this is different from anything I've ever seen him in, obviously. Yeah. You know, he, you kind of think of him as the, kind of the dour, straight-laced act performer. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I kind of just, like, I'm trying to even, trying to think if I can name any other performance of his from this era. Like, I always think of him as an older man. Yeah. When I think of him. I think I think of Mission Impossible when I think of yeah, John Boyd. Yeah. I think of Angelina Jolie. Like that's how sure, yeah, that that's all I think. Yeah. I and I do watch him and go, God, they look alike. <laughs> yeah, in something like this, you can you can oh, see the Oh, She really uh, took after her father. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it, it it was interesting also in our conversation before, just you know, knowing a little bit about Dustin Hoffman, a little bit about John Boyd, just you can't with performances like that and a film like that. The artist and the art are separate. You just, you watch the art. Oh, yeah. You're watching the characters. You're Absolutely. deep into their world, and that is all that matters. And there's something really beautiful about that. I, I would agree with that, for sure. Yeah. I mean, you're not even watching Dustin Hoffman. No. He just disappears into that role. Yeah. 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 So much of the, so that for some reason earlier today, um, and I think it's because I, I was watching Glengarry Glenn Ross earlier today. Uh, for some reason, I was convinced that Al Pacino was in this movie. Really? This one? Yeah, because I just thought, but I knew it was Dustin Hoffman. Right. For some reason, I just pictured like that iconic photo, which is that I'm walking here. Yeah. And it's, for it's some the reason, sense I was of like, a oh, woman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He does the same thing on the road yeah. with the traffic. Oh, he does. That's why. Yeah, that's why. You're right. <laughs> yeah. No, but still, because I knew from like just the, the imagery of this movie, I knew what Hoffman looked like in this movie. Mm-hmm. And you could easily... Put oh, him, absolutely. Put him in Pacino. Such an Italian name. Yeah. I wonder if Pacino was offered it at one point before. Yeah, could be. <gasps> yeah. Oh, I don't know. But at this point, I mean, no, Pacino hadn't even broken yet. You know, the Godfather is eight years away. And that was the movie that really broke him. Like, Pacino's when not... When was Dog Day Afternoon? Not until the 70s. Like, Pacino's not even on the scene yet. Really? No, not this time in the movie. So Hoffman would have been... But Hoffman's on his way to becoming a huge star, if not already at this point in his career. Yeah. So yeah, well, I mean, he came out of the gate swinging with the graduate. Yeah, Pacino didn't really take me get a break until The Godfather, and that's seventy-seven. No, not seventy-seven. Seventy. Oh no, it's it's really close. It's like seventy-one, I think. Yeah, it's, it's seventy-one or seventy-two. Maybe seventy-two. It's something around there. Yeah. I think it was seventy-two, and then seventy-four was Godfather. Yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> so it's close. Sorry, it's not that far off, but um, but he's not quite on the scene just yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. Um, Bob Balaban, great seeing a very young Bob Balaban. Playing a, playing a young Rick Moranis. Yeah, playing exactly. a young Rick Moranis. I really thought, no, that couldn't be him. No, it's way too early for Way too early. I remember yeah, seeing yeah. Bob Bal- another Bo- uh, young Bob Balaban movie, uh, Catch-22, which is another great movie. Um, he, but that. he's a kid in that. Like He's even younger than this. I think it's even before this. That's Alan Arkin. It's such a great movie. Maybe that's a, another black hole that we... Yeah, yeah that's a black hole. I've read oh, the book, but never seen it's this film. Yeah, it's so good. Okay. And it's star-studded. So many people in it. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, I'm inspired, but I'm inspired in that way of, like, we don't make things like that anymore, and why? And what is that? Because it doesn't fit nicely into a little 
It doesn't fit into package. a shelf on Blockbuster. Yeah, it's it's a strange little movie. You know, it's they don't there's they don't do a lot. <laughs> they don't. I feel like if you gave anyone this script now, they would just yeah, throw it like, out. They'd go. It and, almost feels like half the movie was in that little rundown little apartment, and it's yeah. just you know it was. I think in my head, I had convinced myself that this was a movie about a successful gigolo. <laughs> yeah, same here. So I kept waiting for the moment that he was going to take off. Well, and that's the and Hollywood it, formula. Like, yeah, and then exactly. all of a sudden he's training. Now he's, he's at the gym. Now it's a he's montage. putting on nice clothes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. he's yeah. really good and at that this. Never happens, and and yeah. So that was I really liked that about it. Yeah. Well, I think I, I think I I thought the same thing going into it, um, but I think early on I realized. This is about him. He's going to try the whole movie to become a gigolo. Mm -hmm. uh, and I love that it ended with him realizing, it ain't that easy. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so he and he ends with basically yard work. He's like, maybe some, you know, outdoor, outdoor work. work. <laughs> but I like that he kind of gave up the cowboy Landscape. outfit and just got like kind of just regular clothes. But it and, felt but, natural. But, uh, and but there was no celebration over it. It wasn't like... No, he just... We saw, in him, the he, we saw him throw it in the garbage can, let it on fire. It, just, yeah. it was just gone one scene. Yeah. He just suddenly well, he did throw it in the garbage can. He threw can. it out. <laughs> yeah, but it wasn't, they didn't, it wasn't like a big scored moment. No, it just was yeah. casually part of it, you know? Not at all, yeah. Which nowadays you'd have some big moment. Sure. Yeah. It really... I mean, understated is a very, you know, good way to describe a lot of what happened in the movie. Yeah. yeah. Well, even, even um, Hoffman's death... It's just, you're on him, he's talking about how, I gotta do this, and blah, yeah. blah, blah, and all of a sudden we just pull back, and he's just sitting there, and you realize, oh, fuck, yeah. he, didn't, he didn't make it to Miami. Well, he but he did. Miami. He didn't make it he to did. Miami. He did, fair enough. But he didn't, he didn't get to live with that <laughs> didn't dream. Even get off that the dream bus. sequence he has. I know. I actually and love that scene. Totally that sequence was amazing. POV, <laughs> totally. right? Because I, I, the whole exactly. film up to then, he'd been in... in, in um, Joe's flashbacks, yeah. yeah, and all of a sudden I was like, oh, we're totally yeah. switching. And his flashbacks were, or, or his, um, his aspirations, his dreams were, were totally different from... No, Joe's running. are like black and white with rape and yeah, they were creepy like, stuff with his totally, grandmother, yeah. where mm -hmm. Hoffman's was like bright and beautiful and... And he was a chef at one point in it. Oh, and, was and he was doing that same thing he was doing. He was the making avocado. the same shitty meal he makes in the apartment, yeah. but everyone like embraced <laughs> it and loved it. it. It was great. It was interesting because it felt like uh, Joe was his flashbacks indicated that he was trapped in the past, while Rizzo was thinking about the future. Yeah, yeah. he was like, "We just got to get to Florida." That was like, "Yeah, and our lives would be great." Yeah, and he, I think say? he even said that very early on when he first brought him into the apartment. He said. Yeah. Oh, it, it gets cold in here, but don't worry about. It. I'll be in Florida by then. Yeah. yeah. Like well, he, and even that says, and his, you even you'll be fine in your cowboy outfit. Yeah. You know when we get down to Miami. And I think I think even from that moment, Rizzo saw his impending death coming. Like I don't think he ever thought he was going to get to Florida. So it was kind of nice that at least he got there. Yeah. Exactly. Another scene that struck me early on was when uh, when Voight first gets to New York, and he walks by that. Um, homeless person. Tiffany's right in front of Tiffany. Oh, yeah. The street. And he just didn't cry. And, and, he, and everyone was everyone's like... Everyone's walking around so he goes, I guess that's... I guess but was that a homeless person? Because it was a no, guy in like person a passed out. A stockbroker and had a really yeah. bad... Yeah. So, someone right. in need yeah. just, and nobody helping them. Nobody. And, and neither did he, but at least he no, stopped but, and thought about but it. But he stopped, he looked around <laughs> and kind of got the sense that, oh, that's normal to not Welcome to New York. Care. Yeah. Okay, I'll just keep moving on. I especially loved that it was in front of Tiffany's. That I, was, I, didn't I catch think that. my favorite part. 
Yeah, right. and I because I've always noticed that New York breaks my heart. So everyone goes, oh, it's the mecca of everything. And I think the poverty and the wealth side by side are crushing. And people are just walking by it all the time. And it was a really beautiful moment. So was the coconut falling out of the window and the kids just eating it, like, without even thinking about it. It's funny everyone grabbing it. (laughs) like, oh, yeah. Food falling from the sky. Eat this coconut. (laughs) (laughs) It just broke open, right? (laughs) It was clean a minute ago. It broke and hit the ground. This is this is. Totally I think we all. I think we all reacted the same way when he sold his radio. I think we oh, all. That was like, heartbreaking. We all went. Oh, this is where. This is the moment where. Yeah. He's fucked. Like, yeah. He, he's like hit rock bottom. Yeah. Because that rate. He's he had that radio right from the first. He, shot. And clearly was buying batteries for it the whole time. Yeah. Whatever. The, I mean, I can't imagine there were that much then. But even there's that there's that sadness when the guy says five bucks. And there's that pause, then Hoffman just gives a little nod, like, it's yeah. not worth it. But, you know, and he also looked to Rizzo first. Like, you know, it was, I, I love that about it. It was, he always wanted his approval. Yeah. Well, that's the only entertainment they probably had, yeah. those two. You know, it was like, their, it was probably the last, you know, beacon of hope or luxury that was in their lives and, and to give yeah, it up. Yeah, absolutely. Was. And that's what was interesting, too, uh, the juxtaposition between, uh, the, not the judge petition, but just like the, the book ending of the trip to New York where you've got the song playing. Yeah. And then when they're leaving, it's just silent. And it's mm-hmm. just the bus ride. It's just the ro- sounds of the road. And, you know, it's, it's, it's just a very different, it's less celebratory, mm-hmm. the leaving. Yeah. I kind of want to live inside that soundtrack for a while. <laughs> it's like... Uh, Everybody's talking about it. That's such a great song. Was that written for the movie? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, I don't know. It's got the and they did the, that big I thing mean, in the opening credits. Yeah, it, it's got that the oh, it's similar to the Graduate where it's yeah, it's Simon Garfunkel, Mrs. Robinson that plays the yeah thing over. But it's interesting. We don't do that either. Like playing using um, soundtrack as motif, the way that a lot of movies from this era did. Yeah, where you'd replay a song. Yeah, and, and let it like be representative of something you know now we just try to fill the soundtracks with as many well also we don't write songs for movies anymore we we just repurpose either old songs like um and like baby driver and just make it like some um you know 80s soundtrack or guardians of the galaxy did it as well yeah, yeah. You, or we- you don't like just it's a, or it's a score. There's not often where... Or there's where like the Trolls just, song, but yeah. it's the one song and you only play it once and exactly. then it becomes a pop hit. Exactly. Yeah. Like, or so this played through the whole movie. Like, it was yeah. great. I would say that there, there was... I did feel like sometime in the 90s or something where there was this streak where movies would write an original song to get the Oscar nomination for Best Original Sure, but it wouldn't, it wouldn't be through the whole movie like this. Like, no, it, no, this no, no, no. This was almost the score of this yeah. movie. But even like when you look at it's funny it's such this thing that like movie musicals does where they'll write a new song yeah. for the movie musical and it's only to get an Oscar nomination because they can't nominate existing songs. Right. It has to be a new song. Well, so I mean that's some, the James Bond thing, right? They always yeah. have that. Oh, right. Yeah. Adele or yeah. whoever doing the new one. Yeah, and I've been rewatching a lot of the James Bond ones, and there's some weird James Bond songs. Is John Voight ever in a James Bond movie? I wonder. I don't think John so. Voight? Not, not. I'm just getting into. I just finished all the more ones, and I'm just about to start the Timothy Dalton oh. ones. So he might be in there. He, he feels like he would be a Bond villain. Mm-hmm. I don't think if if he hasn't been in before, because um, I've seen Timothy Dalton up. So no, he hasn't. Then he hasn't been for sure. No, so no John Voight. Christopher Walken sure. though. Oh yeah, he's great. Yeah, Zorin. Wow. 
So good. Well, I was thinking while watching it, uh, sometimes we, we do this on the podcast. We play the game, how would you cast this now? Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, and for some reason, I kept on thinking Jake Gyllenhaal as Rizzo. I don't know why. But then Brian Gosling kept on coming to me too because I thought there's something really fun about Brian just like Gosling. uglying him up because he yeah. would have a shit ton of fun with that part. Mm-hmm. Just letting him be really nasty and gross. Yeah, for sure. And I like wonder, Ar- uh, Army Hammer. T- oddly, Jesse, <laughs> yeah. I- Jesse Eisenberg might actually be interesting. In oh! Part. Like, and I thought Ryan Gosling first, but he might, there might be something kind of interesting about him in that mm-hmm. part. Well, I also just think Ryan Gosling could probably do anything. Put I him think in any he part could. But he, I think Ryan could play either part in a strange way. Uh, he might not be. What about, uh, I'm not going to remember his name, but what about um, the guy who played Phoebe's brother in Friends? Oh, Giovanni oh, Ribisi? Yeah, Ribisi. Wouldn't he be great as Rizzo? As Rizzo? Oh, yeah. He would. He'd be fantastic. God, there's a lot of good actors out there. I mean, that's that's like, but that's the part everybody would want, too. Like, that's oh, that's, that's a, the part. Um, you know. Because the John Voight part is kind played, of... It would have been Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. <laughs> Matthew McConaughey in the, yeah ten years ago ten, yeah, ten, yeah yeah you Matthew just need like you know a big bright eye Channing Tatum oh yes yeah, yeah. well that's yeah fantastic I, th- I thought Army Hammer was a great Army Hammer would work really yeah, well yeah I thought for sure like he's got that look too that big just statuesque guy with the who who Army Hammer. I don't know who that is. You know Army Do Hammer. Do I? He was in the social network. He's he played in that the Lone Ranger. <laughs> he's in that Call Me By Your Name. Oh, movie. I haven't seen he, it he yet. Plays this. Uh, he, well, he played, do you see the social network? Yes. He played the twins. The, um, what were Re- the, the, Oh, I'm not going to the name. Bosselberg twins or something? I'm remembering the twins. Yeah. But I'm not remembering the twins. Yeah, it's okay. He's great. He's great. Okay. Yeah. He, like, for that, I think... He'd be a great choice for that. The man from Uncle, the new man from Uncle. Wasn't yeah, he? I didn't see him, but yeah. I knew he was in it. Uh, he's also got a really great, dry sense of humor. Mm-hmm. That he play, he plays a really great straight man. So he would play off of the Rizzo. You know who really else well. for Rizzo? Who's in the Night of Riz Ahmed? Have you seen the Night of the? I don't. Oh, the HBO. The HBO show? I no, I haven't. Oh my god! It's great. It's so great, and Riz Ahmed is amazing, and John Turturro is. Beautiful. Oh, John Totoro. Oh, man. Beautiful. A younger John Totoro would be great. Although, yeah. as I think about it now, if I'm, if I'm make, remaking this movie now, Rizzo is probably going to be female. Really? <laughs> I think, maybe, because then you play off you of play this. That, though? I don't know. I just think there's an interesting thing there, and there's so many great choices for that, too. And a Kendrick. <laughs> okay, we just made that's a different movie. It's a totally different movie. <laughs> yeah, it's a rom com. Yeah, and... No, no, it's not. Well, that's how they but would that... remake it for sure. Oh god! And they... No, but you want to, but you'd want to completely. You want to keep their. I feel like if you're going to make it a woman, it's like Tignataro. Oh, she like great. that's mm-hmm. then I'm yeah yeah. Or Maria Bamford. So many great yeah. options. Yeah, I don't know though. I don't know <laughs> if that's a. That's one that you can really. No, because you would. It would just be different, and it, you wouldn't be able to do the tone the way it is now. Because they would, it would fall into. I mean, the beautiful thing about that friendship was that they were both guys, and and they had they were complete opposites. And uh, I think if one of them was a female, you'd fall into the. They would just. It would just feel like a love story, like mm-hmm. 
a st- like kind of a yeah. kind of a Sid and Nancy story. Yeah, and it is a rut love story. It's you know? a but it's the ultimate it's a buddy romance. pick, yeah. right? Yeah. But it's interesting too. So why does he leave where he leaves at the beginning? It just feels like he's off the road. Like even you get all those flashes of the terrible stuff that happened to him, but you get the sense that he's just, it just bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. It seemed like he had been saving up, like you yeah. know, that the only reason he had that job is because he was heading to New York to make his fortune as a gigolo, as a hustler, as he called it. But what and it, I love that you don't ever get the motive is motivation or the idea the thing the moment where he clicks like that's what I'm gonna do I think because he kind of was that for his grandmother in a way that's what I felt like this kind of pleasing pleasing women and that that's what he was good at he does say that at one point he says the one thing he's good at that's what he's good at and and I think in a way we see with the relationship that he had that love is broken for him like relationship true love is broken so yeah why not do this and it seems like you would think it would be easier to make a living. It's not like he went to New York to become an actor. That's the thing. Like, it made it look like it was harder to be a gigolo than but to be an actor in New York. He had no idea how to do it. Like, he was just walking oh. up to women and, like, <laughs> asking them the where the Statue of Liberty was as if that would somehow be a signal like, he yeah. just had no idea what he was doing. But that's why the Hoffman line that kills that I love so much is just that you got to tell people. you got to be... <laughs> you can't just... You can't go to them after, hey, I want some money from you for the sex we just had. Oh, yeah. It's like, wait, I thought it was consensual. I thought, what? All of a sudden, like, no wonder the woman starts bawling. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you owed her that 20 bucks. Yeah. What no, you just did to her? It's, it's so crazy. It's so... It's that, that he had this in his head that that's how it worked. Worst prostitute ever. Yeah. I had no um, idea. No idea. No, and then, but then, and, 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 and Rizzo brings it, I just need management, but, you know, Rizzo doesn't know what the fuck he's doing either. Yeah. Who is, what I love, I just love him setting up with guy? that guy. Who was that guy? Who was O'Daniel? Yeah. And, and what did O'Daniel think that guy was there for? <laughs> I guess to pray, because he, like, it seemed like he was, like, bringing in, he's like, you know, I usually get poor, desperate kids. It was like he was bringing them to the Lord or something. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's what it was. Was he? Yeah, because he was like, like, let's get down on our knees. And then well, he pulled out to open the door with the Jesus. There well, there's was... a moment before he's like, I'm going to run you ragged. Yeah, you're going to be on your back. You're I gonna... think it was about praying. And like... Yeah, I think you're right. But it was written so well that that double meaning held up yeah. until the reversal. I think so. It was good. Okay. that I kind of didn't get that. I just was... I, I kept going like he's a weird pimp. I knew clearly so- has made no money. Yeah. <laughs> I, I felt like as soon as we met him, I'm like, "There's no way this guy's a pimp." But what is he? Like, what's the scam here? Yeah, I think you knew he there was, was just a scam. trying to save. He was just trying to save it. Save yeah, you knew there was a scam yeah. just from how fast Rizzo was. Oh yeah, to- he wanted that elevator back. Don't 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 let it go away. Just hold it. Yeah. Oh my god. His uh, John Boyd's like um, dream sequences were very strange too. Like um, sometimes they were his past. Sometimes they were his interpretation of the present um, of what he thought and would happen in certain situations. And then, and, and like Dustin when he wrote out the postcard, he wrote yeah. out the postcard to his that friend. Was really strange. And then he had a, he had like an image of the guy looking at the postcard, confused. And so he tore up the postcard. He yeah. didn't send it. And there was like a lot of really strange things like that. And then you had, and then um, there's the the one flat rape flashback. Uh, Dustin Hoffman is in it. Yeah. Yeah, all those guys are in it. That was his dream. Yeah, that's when he woke up. He was it, and then the the building was collapsing. Yeah, that's when he woke up, and uh, Rizzo had his radio, and 
Oh, and his boots were gone. He yeah. couldn't find his boots. I was so happy when he threw those boots out. <laughs> Especially after he'd poured the perfume in them. Oh, that's he right. He just thought, no, oh this has to stop. Then he realized he poured too much, so he, tried, so he tried to, to pour, pour it out. out. Uh, I love that little beat with the shoe shine, and you get that the history of Rizzo's dad and yeah. the cops that's beside him. And then they went to the graveyard to visit Rizzo's father. Yeah. And for went, no reason. For no reason. Other than, let's do this. Yeah. <laughs> I guess it's just, it gives you a, a, a little window into that character, and he's not just this sleaze ball that doesn't care about people or anything. It just shows you that. Well, I mean, I you kind of knew that the minute he, he was, brought him right? into his house, right? They he had just... no reason to bring him into his house. Well, other than he was lonely. Yeah. He, he saw he saw somebody who was desperate like he was. Mm-hmm. And he felt bad. I think he felt bad for what he'd done. That was great when he poured empty his pockets and said, 60 60, just, 65 cents, it. take it. I want you to have it. I love the way he was like, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. Just take it. Yeah, that's great. You want a coffee? I'll make you a coffee. Just, oh. Whatever that thing was he made him. That meal of... And what was this thing? It was coconut milk to what things will keep you alive Sunshine. forever? Sunshine. Sunshine and coconut milk is yeah. all you need. Yeah. Which is why Florida was going to heal him. Yeah. And what he was trying... How, however he was trying to open that goddamn coconut. What was that with? It, it was like a, a wine. It was a can opener. Can opener. Can opener. But he was just stabbing at it. He was <laughs> never going to... He didn't have the right tool. Like, he just <laughs> would never have got into it. I guess he was just trying to make a hole so he can get yeah. the milk out. Yeah. But you need to make two holes, because otherwise it would just yeah. plug itself up, right? Yeah. Poor Rizzo. Ugh. And then John Boyce just smashes it in the in the window, and the kids get it. <laughs> it was a heart heartbreaking film about like good people in bad situations or good souls. You just yeah. feel like yeah, you feel like in in any other if these people were born into whatever other situation, they would have had completely different lives. Yeah, because they weren't doing. They weren't necessarily trying to hurt anybody. They were just they were just doing what they had to do to get by. Yeah. There's even that moment where they're at that, you know, the Andy Warhol-esque party and, and Brizzo's stuffing salami in his pockets. Salami. And they're like, you don't have to steal it. It's free. Like, just take it. <laughs> He's like, well, I'm not stealing it, am I? <laughs> no. He said, if it's free, I'm not stealing it. That's great. What was his excuse, though? He's like... He's like, well, if I take all the salami, then you'll have to go you to the store and get more, more salami or something like that. In his mind, like, if he took it all, they'd have to bring more, and then he they could take that, too. their minds at that point. Oh, I, just great. him sitting there eating the macaroni right out of the dish, just eating the whole macaroni salad. Oh, God. <laughs> this movie is, like, the opposite of The Devil Wears Prada, another <laughs> film about going to New York to find your dreams. <laughs> That's kind That's of, it. you know, when you think about, like, movies about going to New York to fulfill your dreams... Double feature. Yeah, and this is the opposite of that. In fact, this was a nightmare version of New York. Like, this was a... Like, to me, it was Who is that woman that had the toy rat version. in her hair? And it was, I like, know, rubbing the toy kid. rat on her face? Like, everybody in this movie was, like, But New York weird. was... Do you remember going... I mean, obviously, we, we weren't going in 1969, but even, like, the 90s, I remember going as a kid and it being really different than it yeah. is now. It was more that New York still. Yeah, it was like especially the pre Giuliani New sure. York. Yeah, yeah. It was it was dirty. It was falling apart, and you felt people's character more yeah, present. My, yeah, my first trip to New York was just prior to nine eleven, and just I remember realizing, and I because I'd been I'm, I'm I'm from a small town, so you know when I was around that age, cities were just not. I was never overwhelmed by them the way I know a lot of people from small towns are, and they just can't enjoy being in them mm-hmm. but I remember feeling like oh this is 
this is a big city, <laughs> a big busy city where I'm like Toronto felt big, yeah. but this is huge. Like this makes this makes Toronto feel like my small town. Yeah. Compared, just like the energy and how much is going on, and just like the subway system being the way it is and everything, and yeah. just how how lost you get. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when you first land. I remember the first time I got there. And we had to get, to, I had to go to a, we were meeting, we were going, we wanted to go somewhere. And so we got into a cab and said, hey, take us here. And the cab driver didn't speak English. It was like Elmo giving directions. Like, <laughs> Elmo says buckle up. and pre-recordings of stuff. And he took us for this 20-minute cab ride. And we get to the place. They're like, great, here's your money. And then we decided to walk back to the hotel after and realized we were on the corner. And I'm like, that no. fucking guy knew, just saw our number and just took us for a ride. Mm-hmm. Realized that we were right around the corner and how dumb we were and just fucked with us for 20 minutes. Yep. And that was, that was my first, like, half day in New York. I was like, okay, I understand. I have to be a little bit more yeah. <laughs> protective of myself. Yeah. I know. I was traumatized by Brooklyn as a kid because we went, my stepfather is from Brooklyn, and we went and stayed up at his mother's place and came down and... Everything was stolen out of the car. Ugh. All of our luggage, everything. I just thought of New York as the place where you, they take everything. Yeah. I think just from, and a lot of lonely people living in tiny little boxes, yeah. like his mom living alone, and mm. there's so many lonely people in this vast city. Yeah, and of, think, dreams. of dreams. Of mm. dreams. I think I I always just think thought that New York was this big, loud, dirty city just from movies. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And it kind of is. Yeah. Even it, still. But it's interesting, like, my son has this desperation to go to New York at some point, just because it's something he's seen in movies. It's huge. Yeah. It's a great place for kids. It's so much prettier now, too. Yeah, we take our kids all the time. We love it. But, but, you know, it is, like, the streets are narrow, it it stinks, the traffic's terrible, but Mm -hmm. it's also an awesome place where there's, you know, Central Park's amazing, and, you know, the theater district's amazing. Yeah. Um, it's a, it's a very interesting place. Yeah. And, and it's, it's funny because as many times you've seen New York in movies, it does feel like a New York I haven't quite seen like this. Even though I've seen movies about people living in squalor in New York. Yeah. It still feels like a different This version. was the real underbelly of New York, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's like, I got a side engine. The only I know about it. Hey, watch the plank. You don't get insurance for that one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this place was condemned. He was watching them tear down the building next door. And we're just waiting for them to eventually tear yeah. down theirs. And then they yeah. do. And that's part of the, the push to New York. I don't think this was the worst New York. I think they had, at least they had choices. Like, he was like, I choose to be a gigolo. I think of all the people who were, like, owned in New York. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's probably worse. Yeah. But he walked by that dishwasher <laughs> sign. You know, he saw that dishwasher wanted sign, and he, and he walked away, so... Yeah. His standards. Yeah. yeah. But not enough to not eat ketchup with crackers. crackers. That he <laughs> asked other people for. Yeah. But then... But it shows, it was, but that's the thing, because at that point, he's homeless. Yeah. His, his amazing cowskin suitcase that he wanted back because it meant a lot to him uh, is now gone forever until he goes back to that hotel and pays his bill. Uh, but when, when he walked into Rizzo's place... I kind of, I'm like, oh, he's got a place to live now. Yeah. He'll be fine. He'll be fine. <laughs> in, this, in this luxury apartment. Yeah. Although it was like, he wasn't really selling it on the way up when he was talking about cockroaches and, uh, and, uh, planks and <laughs> how the, you can't go in the front door, you gotta go in the back door. And you got the sense that he took the nice bed. 
Yeah. Oh, of the, of oh, totally. the two beds. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. He took Rizzo's bed. <laughs> and Rizzo demanded the one extra pillow. Yeah. At least he had two pillows. <laughs> and then I guess, you should, I guess you just have to wonder how long Rizzo had lived there prior. Yeah. Yeah. He seemed like, he seemed kind of, like people knew about him. Like, um, and that kind of went away. Like he seemed to be a fixture in that, in, in that bar that he was in. Or at least that area that he was in. But then it seemed like that all dissolved away once they got together and, and uh, started living together in the apartment. You what? never saw that side of Rizzo Yeah, it again. just became about them. Well, we saw it a bit with the fruit stand, mm-hmm. the vegetable stand. Yeah. I think you start to see his health declining. Yeah, And, that, and that's true. part of it. But he does yeah. say, oh, I've been away for a bit. I, I got a cold. Right. And, and then after a while, you realize this might be true, actually. Mm-hmm. I don't think he ever actually looked for this guy. I think he might more looked out to make sure he wasn't yeah. coming for him. Probably avoided that bar for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. Like, yeah, he's... I think you summed it up really well, Rose, when you said it's about, like, really good people in a really bad situation. Yeah. And it... Eh. Blind hope. But you kind of got... Blind. You kind of get the feeling that that uh, he's going to be okay. Not Rizzo, he's dead. But <laughs> uh, you kinda, I, I kind of got the feeling that, you know, if we checked in with John Voigt five years later, he was going to be okay. Yeah, he'd have a good, he's decent little job. He'd yeah. find a new relationship. He seemed, he like seemed to get over the hump. Like, he yeah. seemed to, to figure it out. But even I think there's some there's some joy in, in the ending for, for Rizzo, Rizzo. Because he because did get there. He got out of New York. And he was yeah. going to die anyway. Oh. Like, there was yeah. no question he was dying. Yeah. But he got, I think he got out of New York. He didn't die in that apartment. No. Building. Which would have been so depressing. He, he died, died in a beautiful in a bright shirt. shirt. In a yeah. bus. In a nice bus. With the sun shining on his face. And it kind of taken. And he died loved. Mm-hmm. Not alone. That's right. Yeah. Boy wraps his arm around him. Oh my God. I kind of thought there was, we were going to see beyond the bus like I kind of thought we were going to I kind of thought we we were going to see him like working a job as we went to the credits yeah but it just ended right there on the bus oh I love that which I I love love how it ended but I I also wish for like TV era it's a very different more more. yeah well it's it's just it's a a mirror image of the graduate ending yeah on the, on the, the bus. Yeah. You just end, happier ending Dustin for, Hoffman uh, was like, I Dustin just Hoffman. do movies where they end on yeah, the bus. That's right. But that's there's some there's some stasis of death in that scene too. When he's just on the bus, you know? It, it's, uh, it's total death. It's it's that they're sitting there going What did we do? What did we do? Like everything we did wasn't even for us. It was yeah. to prove some kind of thing. Yeah. And here's the beginning of our end. Yeah. <laughs> we make a montage of scenes death. where Dustin Hoffman on buses. And on movies on buses. It might just be these two. Uh, they're probably on a bus in Rain Man at some point. He's absolutely on a bus in Rain Man at some point. They, when they go, oh, I mean, it's a road trip, be. isn't it? I guess they have yeah, a car. They, they got that fancy yeah. car because Tom Cruise deals in cars. He's got that chop shop type thing mm-hmm. building. Amazing. I'd like to see some more young Dustin Hoffman movies. Mm-hmm. How inspired by this do we think Gus Van Sant was for... Um, Drugstore Cowboys? No. <laughs> what was the the movie with my own private Idaho? Oh, right, of course. That's where my... I haven't seen it. What? I know, I know, I know. Okay, I haven't seen it in years and years. I would totally see it again. I think they have years that criterion, years. right? That's but criterion. But there, there yeah. were things that remind... Like, I would, I would in agree flashes, with that. Yeah. I feel like uh-huh. that world's 
came through yeah. in my own private eye. I, I, I don't disagree with that. Yeah. For sure. Well, and this is... Lost, so I'll uh, Phoenix. Yeah. yeah. But this is definitely... It's interesting, especially that this wins Best Picture, because it really does show um, the shift in um, mainstream yeah. films of that era. Yeah. Uh, I'd have to look and see what was winning just before, but it's like this is around, you know, the time of Easy Rider and all those films where yeah. we're just... We're starting to get that shift into the 70s. Yep. And we're... What won the year before? I have to look it up. Yeah, because, I mean, I feel like... I feel like there was a big run of these raw kind of... Uh, Marty. Um, smaller stories that were that were really kind of... Marty is one of my favorites. It's one of my favorite movies. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful screenplay and... Um, Yeah, what did win? What did win right before uh, In the Heat of the Night. Uh, okay. Oh, yeah. That's a great movie. Yeah. I was kind of surprised that this is a, a, a Best Picture winner, actually. Yeah, it shouldn't I be. Don't. I mean, certainly, did Dustin Hoffman? He must have won Best Actor. I mean, who could have topped that performance in 1969? But the movie as a whole, I'm a little surprised that it, uh, that it uh, took the top prize. Yeah? Yeah, I mean, it was, um, I mean, it was fantastic. I certainly don't think it didn't deserve it. It just didn't seem like it didn't seem like the type of movie that was winning those prizes back then. Uh, no, just he was nominated. He didn't win. Wow. Same as Voight. Um, I won Best Picture and I won Best Director and Best Screenplay, but didn't get any of the acting. Who won for? That's crazy. Uh, wonder if it'll say. I don't have that yeah. particular thing set up. What it was up against? But it's like last year, even what, what Moonlight won, right? Yeah, and that seems in the same. Kind yeah, but of... I think in the last, I think you know, the last couple of years have been the last, trying, it's been, it's been indie out. darlings for the, in the last ten years. Well, you look at the Oscar nominees for this year, and it was interesting. Um, in the late fall, or not in late fall, just around Christmas time, I was sitting there going, I haven't really seen any Oscar movies yet, and then I realized, oh, it's just because this year we don't have typical Oscar movies. You know, there's a couple, mm-hmm. but for, by and large, it's just really great movies that are going to be nominated that don't feel like they're trying to be nominated. Right. As mm-hmm. much as usually is. Usually, you know, there's always that period where you're like, oh, this is that actor trying to get an Oscar. It's because Harvey Weinstein's been too busy to promote his movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, but that is the mirror act that you can, you can just feel sometimes like, especially certain actors like, Will Smith was on that tear for years, yeah. just doing certain roles. Jim Carrey did mm-hmm. that for yeah. years just trying to do certain roles that would yeah. get him the nomination yeah. uh, and you feel that's a little bit less so now um, yeah so I think we're back into that because I think you, you and that's and then part of it is that I also think is just where there's no movies in the middle anymore yeah. right it's either big giant tent poles or yeah. you know two to twenty million dollar movies which for them is small movies yeah of course yeah. it's nothing movies yeah it's interesting. Yeah, it's, it'll be more interesting to see where we're at in five years from now and how that changes kind of the face of the Oscars. Mm-hmm. Well, I feel like we need a shift in movies in general because I don't really like the path that we're on, <laughs> really. It just seems like it's all sequels and franchises and TV yeah. remakes. and. Well, even that, I, I, think, the, the, I think the shift for the longest time has been television but now you've got, we live in a world where they're just bringing back every old TV show. Yeah. You know, Murphy Brown's getting 
new coming back. Will and yeah. Grace, Roseanne. Everything old is new back. again. Roseanne's back. Because but this there's is... just this void for content. Content, but I want more movies. Like I'm. I'm just dying for counterculture. Yeah. And I don't, I mean, I don't do, as you know, I don't do social media at all because I just feel like as soon as you're on it, you've killed, there is no counterculture. When we're all on Twitter, everyone elected Trump. Like, there's no, just mm. by being part of the... Oh, just blame us all, Rosa. I know, but I, I think yeah. we, like, we've, every, it's like everyone has acquiesced, just given over, surrendered without any argument. Like, here's our power. Let us, let us drink your opium and I will buy another car and feel good. And I know. What a, what a great... I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> But I do, I mean, I, yeah. especially seeing that film, I remember thinking eight years ago, I, I was in visiting New York and I went to the Whitney and there was this incredible exhibit and it was Basquiat and it, it was just felt like people were trying to go, there's something crazy, mm-hmm. there's, there's something really crazy happening here and we are owned by these massive corporate entities and they're going to take away our humanity and then finally one day everyone went, yeah, I guess. Like, kind of shrugged and just went, okay, let's keep shopping online. But look how easy things are now. <laughs> look how easy well, they are. And then one day you have no power and every move you make has been filmed. On that note, I, think I thought it was a great film. <laughs> <laughs> I like, the one thing I like about the, about where we are with film is that it's pushing me to go back and explore the stuff that I missed. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, it's true. Which is all still new to me. <laughs> That's just it. Like, I've been on kind of a tear that, unless I'm rewatching something for, for a, a, a reference for something I'm working on, I'm, I've kind of made a rule to only watch stuff I haven't seen before. Yeah. And yeah. especially to really go back and try to dive into movies that I've missed from the past. Yeah. Um, but what movies I want to see, not just movies I feel like I should see for homework reasons. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's a bit of that, as you do. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I was telling Ken, I just watched this amazing movie called Hopscotch the other day. It's an old Walter, Walter Matthau movie. Oh, nice. That is just such a great romp that's kind of a, a comedy version. It, it's, made, it's like, what, early 80s? Late 70s? Yeah, I think 1980. Uh, and it's just basically kind of like a weird anti-James Bond film in a weird way. Mm-hmm. It's about, like, him as a bum... Not a bumbling, but, like, just a regular spy, uh... Works for some intelligent the CIA, I think it is, uh, and just kind of like taking the piss on those kind of movies, but also being a great version of one of those movies yeah. too. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. Hopscotch, check it out, people. It's I great. If it. you're if you're if if you uh, are on have a Toronto Public Library card, <laughs> uh, and you get that Canopy thing that's free. I do. Canopy, I love it's Canopy. On there. It's a, oh, it's, it's a Criterion. It's part of their Criterion collection, and I noticed they have it in their library, so you can watch it for free. Those with uh, access to Canopy, they've yeah. got a, they've got a large selection of Criterion. Did you see? I knew her well, which is my favorite Italian film. Oh, yeah. I knew her well, and it's Criterion. So here are your recommendations, people. Also, the Florida Project recently I saw, and that was about... Did you see it? Yeah, I didn't love... I love... I, There's like four or five Lego. scenes in that movie that I really loved, but I yeah. just found myself hating those characters. And just... And, and in a way that I just could... And I understand the situation they're in and why they are the way they are, but it's, it's almost the opposite of this, too. Uh, and, and, you know, you could argue that they're... 
is a much more realistic depiction of people in that situation in that movie probably where you can sit back and go it's not their fault they're shitty people look at their lives and look what they've yeah. been dealt but it's also like, it's like oh they're just terrible people yeah you know but I'm glad I watched it but I also got everything I needed out of that movie in the first time <laughs> and don't ever need to revisit it ever need it. to see it again I totally get that I know yeah. I wasn't blown away by any means but I like to look at a certain at a a piece of society like the yeah oh it's a great window the into kind of wandering a homeless world. the motel homeless the yeah the people that live in motels especially you know people that live just have you seen it Ken no but I know I know the I know the yeah and they live you know right next door to yeah. Disney World essentially yeah. right kind of the big American dream and mm. the realities of it for a lot of people. Any any final thoughts? Uh, no, I not for me. I'm still kind of. I'm just gonna kind of mellow in that one for Let a while. Yeah. Over you. It's lots to think about there. Yeah, yeah, it was really beautiful. I'm so glad we <clears throat> saw it. Um, it was kind of everything I expected it to be, but a lot more too. Like I didn't expect the trippiness of it in some sections. I didn't expect the tone to be so. Kind of wavering, but in yeah. a way that all that really fits and made sense. I just didn't expect it to be a sad version of the Odd Couple. <laughs> like I really, <laughs> I really thought it was going to be like this, uh, you know, really successful gigolo. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm very pleasantly surprised. That there's a there's a Deuce Bigelow movie oh, on Netflix go. for you that <laughs> oh, will, no, that will just scratch that itch for you. Oh, no, thank you. <laughs> well, thanks for coming over. Thank you. This was awesome. Thanks for. Watching Midnight Cowboy with me. <laughs> My pleasure. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Thanks for joining us for Midnight Cowboy. If you like the show, please subscribe to the podcast and spread the word about it. You can find me on Twitter at Lon Jeremy and go to Facebook for Black Hole Films. Leave a review there or on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is you listen to this thing. And until next time, go watch something you've never seen before. Thanks. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat.